You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. So, I have a question. Is this true? The church equals the people. Is that true? Well... If you think it's true, then you're sort of right. If you're from Texas, then that's good enough. (laughs) Just for Kathy Byrne's sake, by the way. Uh, If if any of the rest of you are from Texas, uh, I love you anyway. All right. (laughs) What a bad way to start. (laughs) Kathy is my sister, not not biologically. We, We weren't born on the same continent. She was born in Texas. But I, uh, we, uh, we have had a brother-sister relationship for many years. So I pick on her. And when her dad was still alive, he came here and he came up to me and said, I heard you're picking on my daughter. Had a real mean look on his face. And I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, good, keep it up. <laughs> and Kathy said, daddy. <laughs> it's been a while. You haven't picked on me lately. Yeah. No, I was even nice this morning. How about that? Got to start that. Stop. All right, the church equals people. You hear that all the time. In fact, I had a friend, not a friend, an acquaintance, a guy I knew down in Sawarita when I was pastoring in Green Valley, Sawarita. And he said, you know, I don't go to church. We are the church. And so what he and his wife did to fulfill their ministry of Christ, he said they were foster parents. And so that's how they furthered the cause of Christ. And they didn't go to church. But they called it, he said, we are the church. We just don't go to church. Well, see, that's not quite right. You need to add something to it to have it be biblically, biblically accurate. The church equals the people gathered together. So the building is not the church. And, and people say, where do you go to church? Well, Victory Baptist Church. They say, where is that? They say, well, the building is at 1225 East Cottonwood Lane. But it's not the church when we're not there. It's the church when we're gathered together. That's what church means, an assembly of called out ones. And so the church is when we gather together. Are you still living for Christ when you leave here? Yes. But you're not the church. When you're driving in your car alone, You're a person who's connected to the church, but you're an ambassador for Christ. You're living for him. But the church is when we gather together. Now, COVID has made it difficult for some people to gather in the church. And if you're watching online right now, watching this service, and and, and then you have to make, it's harder for you. Like earlier today, I talked with seven different people in this room. Just talked to them for a minute, made some, actually more than that, because before Sunday school, I was talking too. Hard to get me to stop some days. And, and, but, but you guys at home, it's harder. So you gotta make calls, you gotta send cards, you gotta pray for people, connect with people in some way. And because the church is, is gathered, it's a connected group of people. And uh, sometimes you have somebody whose health is ill and not able to be in church. And then you pray for them and you visit them if you can when it works for them. But we are the church. And 
as we gather together as a church and as we connect to one another, as we minister for Christ, we are the church. So we're going to look in Matthew 28, you see on the screen, and we're also going to look in Acts chapter 2. And so we'll start out in Matthew 28. And Matthew 28 is called the Great Commission. And then Acts 2 is where the church is really getting rolling. They got more people coming and connecting with the church. So uh, on this next screen, we're going to compare what Jesus said he wanted the church to do in uh, Matthew 28 with what the church was doing in Acts chapter 2. So go ahead and pop that up, Hunter. Uh, in Matthew 28, so this is the church, but that's a, a light picture of our church building. But here's what Jesus said he wanted his church to do. In Matthew 28, and in verse number 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power or all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, when you look in verse 18, and, or verse 19, if you're in the King James, it says teach in verse 19 and teach in verse 20. But they're two different Greek words. And the first one means to teach toward discipleship. And the second one means to teach toward maturity. So in the first, you're trying to bring people to Christ. And in the second, you're trying to help them grow in Christ. So uh, if we look at this, there's three things that people need to do. The first, as believers, as a church, our focus needs to be on making disciples. Making disciples. So how do we do that? Well, we share the gospel with people. We online. Right now, this message is streaming online. Uh, we send missionaries out to other parts of the world to carry the gospel message and uh, this year is the 20th anniversary of Nationals Outreach Worldwide, a mission that we've helped support in Cuba and in Africa. And, and what a blessing that they're now involved in more than 40 countries. And uh, So we're, we're doing that. We're supporting missionaries right here in Arizona. We help support a church up in Scottsdale, a Spanish ministry. Uh, and. We help support a Bible college here and in Cuba and in India. And so God's using this as, as we try and reach the world with the gospel of Christ. But we're not just supposed to reach the world. We're supposed to reach our world too. Not just the world, our world. So you need to try and reach out to people where you live. Share the gospel with them. Give them a gospel track. Give them a card from the church that... Uh, has the website on there. They can connect to that. There's some cards on the table in the back. Uh, and just let people know. Sometimes just telling people you're praying for them will help them. They'll listen. It'll make a difference. Okay? So the first thing is we're trying to make disciples. That's what Jesus wanted his church to do. What's the second thing he said? Baptizing. Baptize them. Now, we baptize by immersion because that's the pattern in the scripture. In fact, 
when it describes Jesus being baptized, it said they went down into the water, they came up out of the water. When um, Philip was uh, baptizing the guy, they went down into the water and they came up out of the water. And so when a person's baptized, it, like standing there in the baptistry, they're saying, Jesus died for me. And then when they go down under the water, what's that a picture of? That Christ was buried for them. When they come up out of the water, that's a picture of his resurrection. But in uh, Romans 4, uh, Paul said it's also a picture of dying to the old way of life, the you you could have been or the you you were before Christ, and being raised to walk in newness of life. I don't know about you, but I think new shoes smell better than old shoes, right? And, and the new life in Christ smells better than the old life that we could have lived apart from Christ. And baptism's just a testimony of that. So if you've never been baptized by immersion and you would like to be baptized, you can talk to me and talk to one of the deacons. We'd love to get together with you and talk with you about that. Then the, what's the third part? So you're making disciples, you're baptizing them, and then what? Teaching them. Teaching them what? Everything Jesus said. And everything the Holy Spirit then revealed to the apostles that's now written in the scripture of the New Testament. So we're teaching them the Bible. You know, the, this morning in the Bible class, they were studying the book of Amos. And one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, and I wish I could quote it right, it's it's in Amos chapter 5. I don't remember which verse, but it says when the judgment of God is coming on you, it's like you run from a lion right into a bear. Isn't that great imagery? You're trying to get away and oh, it's worse. And that's great. I love the imagery in, in Amos. and uh, That's a fun verse. Um, not to experience it, but to read it and learn from it. Okay? Now, so this is what Jesus said. All authority is given to me. He has all power, all authority over all the earth. And he said, all right, my followers, those who call themselves believers, those who identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, well, here's what we're supposed to do, gang. And Jesus spells it out. So go. Go, therefore. By the way, when he says go, therefore, it's not like if I said right now, Lucas, go. No, it's while you're going. So while you're going to the grocery store, be a witness for Christ. While you're driving your car, while you're on the Internet, show the kindness and love of Jesus Christ. There's some really hate-filled stuff put on by people who call themselves followers of Jesus. And I don't think that exalts Jesus at all. So we need to be careful how we talk to other people. And, you know, you can't go all Marine on them. you got to go all Jesus on them. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, take your Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 2. Oh, by the way, the end of that passage, Jesus reminds him, Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the world. And some suggest that, that that phrase is subordinate so that if you are going and making disciples and baptizing them and teaching them, then I'm with you to the age. I think he's with us to the end of the age 
I think he's happier with us when we're doing what he wants us to do. But I think he's with us all the time. All right, Acts chapter 2, are you there? And look down in, uh, in verse number 40. Now, in Acts chapter 2, what happened is it's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon people. They started speaking in tongues. And by the way, in the Bible, when they were speaking in tongues, it was a known language. So as if I could suddenly speak fluent Spanish, which I cannot. I can order off a menu and find the bathroom, and that's about it, you know. I, I can't speak Spanish well. Uh, but it, it, as if you suddenly had the ability to speak a language you had never studied, that's what was going on. In fact, it mentioned 17 different languages and dialects that people heard it in. And so, so they're sharing the gospel, and all these people are sharing. And some people, for instance, if, if you grew up around somebody like um, Tim Martinez. When I met Tim Martinez, he was a teenage kid. And he, he looks a little more mature now, and so do I. Uh, but but Tim, Tim was a teenage kid when I met him. And so imagine, I've known Tim for a long time, right? He looks like it's been a while since he was a teenager, doesn't it? And, and so I said, been a while since he's been one, not acted like one. So just clarify. So Tim, what if Tim suddenly could speak fluent Italian or fluent Chinese or fluent Korean? What if he suddenly had that capacity to do that? Well, see, people who heard them, people who grew up around them, they heard this going on and they said, they must be drunk or something. Peter said, no, it's, it's not drunkenness, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And then Peter got up to preach a message. And Peter talked to him about Jesus and talked to him about the Lord. And he brought in the Old Testament scriptures and he brought them up to the place of Christ. And so now in verse 40, Peter's still preaching. And in Acts 2.40, he says, with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So this is what Peter's doing, making disciples. He's trying to bring people to Christ. And so he's saying, be saved from your sins. Be saved from this generation. And then verse 41, then those who gladly received his word, those who became disciples, were baptized. And then that day there were added 3,000 souls to added to the church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. We'll read a little bit more in just a moment. But let's go back. So Jesus said, make disciples. And now we find Peter doing exactly that. Peter is preaching a message and they're responding to Peter's message. And they are being called to follow Christ and they are responding exactly what Jesus wanted his church to do, that's what's happening, and people are responding to that. The second thing, they were baptized. Jesus said, baptize them, and so they were baptized. And, and that, that Jesus said, this is what I want you to do, this is what they did. You know, that's how we're supposed to live. When Jesus said, I don't want you to do that, we're supposed to not do it. How many of you have 
failed at some point in the last year, right? Yeah. So, so what do we do when we have failed? We say, oh, well, I'm only human, right? No. We might say that. What we're supposed to do is confess our sins. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen on earth. But we can do a little better day by day. When we fail, and you're gonna, and when you fail, like John said, uh, don't sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When you sin, confess it, forsake it, and press on following God. So we're supposed to obey the best we can and get back up when we get knocked down or we knock ourselves down. All right, then the third thing. Jesus said, teach them all this stuff that I've been teaching you. And by the way, the Bible does not include all of what Jesus taught. In fact, John said, if I wrote down everything Jesus said or did, the world couldn't contain the books of it. It contains some of it. And then the teaching of the apostles in the rest of the New Testament include some of it. And then the Holy Spirit speaks and encourages us in our life. He doesn't give us new revelation today. We have the completed revelation of God's word, but he does encourage us and guide us in our daily lives. So teaching them, that's why we have Bible classes. That's why we have church. That's why we're meeting again tonight, teaching them. that. So that's what Jesus wanted him to do. And so they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were following up on what Jesus said to do. They were obeying Jesus. So, if we're looking at our church, if we're going to do what Jesus said, we need to be doing this other stuff, like they were. And we need to be involved in trying to reach people for Christ. My... Uh... <coughs> have a lot of allergy issues. I'm especially allergic to uh, food I don't like to eat. <laughs> but uh, there was a lady in our church in Albuquerque, and she and her family, they left our church and went to another church. And in that other church, she, she told my dad, it's, it's, they really get deep into the word, and they really focus on the word. And I, you know what? I think it's good to study. Tim Pennock does a great job studying and preparing to teach the adults in here. We got teachers in the other classes over there. They do a great job studying and preparing and teaching the lesson. But we need to be doing what Jesus said to do. Jesus didn't leave heaven and come to earth so you could learn a lot about the Bible. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He came that we might be saved. He gave himself for us. So we need to be doing what Jesus did and what he commissioned us to do. So that's what they were doing. All right, now we stopped reading in verse uh, 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, 
and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I wish we could do some of those cool things today. You know, I, I, it, it'd be fun. Nathan's pastor up in Flagstaff was preaching once about Jesus walking on the water. And he said, do you think he was moonwalking? I, I can't moonwalk. Uh, I know somebody who can, but that person doesn't want to do it here. So uh, look at verse number 46, or verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Right. I want to walk through several things that we have here. Here's the first thing. Number one, they were doing what Jesus said his church should do. They were following the Great Commission. That's our assignment. We're supposed to share the gospel to bring people to Christ. And then we're supposed to baptize them to connect them in Christ. And then we're supposed to teach them to guide them and disciple them for Christ. So that's what we're supposed to do. That's what they were doing and that's what we need to be doing. And if we get sidetracked, we need to do all three. We can't just teach those who are already believers. We can't just focus on evangelism and every message being about trying to bring people to Christ and all our labors. We, we need to do all of these things. The second thing is they were showing God's love to the people in their community. And so you see at the bottom there I have the great commandment plus one. What's the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Everything you got. Love the Lord. And then he said the second one's kind of like that, Jesus said. The second one connects with that. And that one says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people. Show his love to other people. And by the way, when somebody said, you know, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus clarified it. He said, the person to whom you are neighborly. See, you might be uh, on the road somewhere, and you can be neighborly to a person who lives a thousand miles away from you. But you're still observing the great commandment. So God wants his love, like I shared with you before, uh, like a fire hose coming down. And that water coming down, it hits the ground, and then it splatters all over. It's fun to do that, and uh, not with a fire hose, but, but you just have that water. Just aim it straight down, and then watch it hit. It doesn't just dribble off in one direction. It splatters in every direction. And that's how he wants his love to flow into us and then spill out over onto other people. So the early church was known for radically loving people. They showed love to zealots who despised Rome. They showed love to Roman soldiers who were fighting for Rome. And they showed love to their neighbors, the people they saw in the market. And especially they showed love to one another. And you know what's happened in Christianity? There's a lot of not love being shown to one another. 
There are Christians who are registered as a Democrat, Christians who are registered as a Republican, and Christians who are registered as an independent, and they're arguing and taking pot shots at each other, even COVID. There's Christians who, you can't make me wear a mask. You know, they might look better. I don't know. <laughs> I don't wear a mask to protect me. I wear a mask to protect other people. And if you don't want to wear a mask or you want to wear a mask, don't get mad at people who disagree with you. We got Christians online fighting over vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, whether they're going to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine, and saying really mean stuff. God wants us to be recognized by our love. In fact, Jesus said, here's how you're going to be known as my disciple, not by how much Bible you've memorized. You'd say it with me. They'll know you are Christians by your love. Jesus said they would know they were his followers by their love. They would know it. And so they were doing that. They were showing love and, and encouraging people. Third thing is they were sharing God's truth so people could be saved. Now, we have friends in this town who are people that consider themselves people of faith, and they consider themselves followers of Jesus, but they're not following the Jesus as revealed in the Bible. They're not following Jesus who was and always has been God, who stepped into humanity and now is with God again. They're following Jesus who was a man who became God. Or they're following Jesus who was the first created being. And they, yet the names of their churches include the name of Jesus, but they're not following Jesus as he's revealed in the scriptures. And so we need to share this truth. Some of the nicest, kindest people in our community are people who are not genuine followers of the biblical Jesus. And so if you're just Mr. Nice Guy or you're Miss Wonderful, how are people going to know the truth? You actually have to speak it. You have to share it. Years ago, I came across a quote. At the time, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I think it was Francis of Assisi said, at all times, share the gospel. When necessary, use words. Let me tell you something. It's always necessary to use words to share the true gospel. You can share the love of Christ without using words, but you can't share the truth of Christ without using words. Now, we don't want to be obnoxious. Well, maybe you want to be, but you shouldn't want to be. Okay? Don't be obnoxious with it, but share the truth. And they were doing that. They were talking about Christ. And everybody was hearing it. All these people were talking. Then Peter got up and preached. And you know, when they started the service, they had 120 believers in the church. And how many new believers joined the church that day? 3,000. Heard the message, were baptized, added to the church. 
Now, we need to share God's truth. I have never had 3,000 people respond to a message. In fact, only been a few times I preached a message where there were 3,000 people there. But we do what we can where we live. And then we support other people who do what we can, what they can, where we don't live. So that we're trying to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. Fourth thing is they were learning and growing together. Learning and growing together. The beginning of verse 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So there's always more to learn. If you learn and you grow and you study and you appreciate and and sometimes you, there's things you'll never have answered. Like I I I wonder maybe in heaven we'll have the answer. Uh, maybe in heaven we won't care anymore. But you know when when uh, when Lazarus died and then uh, Jesus said Lazarus come forth and he came forth and then Jesus said loose him and let him go. Okay, those people were indoctrinated in the Jewish culture of you can't touch a dead body. You'll be defiled if you touch something dead. Now, Lazarus was clearly alive, right? But he'd been dead for four days. What do you think he smelled like? Well, he smelled like death still. And he was still wrapped in the burial clothes and they had to go, and I wonder if as they were going up to that, if they felt, or if they were just, this is so great, let's unwrap him and hug him. I don't know. There's some significant things in the Bible that I don't know too, that I'm studying, that I'm learning. You're never going to know it all, but you can keep growing. Even if at some point, you're not learning new stuff. You're just reminding yourself of stuff you've forgotten, by the way. You're still growing. And that's what they were learning and growing together. Um, I was uh, doing pre-marriage counseling with a couple, and then another guy came up to me, and he said, uh, my girlfriend told me you thought she shouldn't marry me. And I said, well, technically, that's not what I said. And I said, would you like to hear what I said? He said, okay. <laughs> I said, I told her, it's not enough to be a Christian. Young people, listen. Don't marry somebody who's a Christian only. Marry somebody who's growing in Christ. Because then you can grow together in your relationship with each other. Kathy and I saw so many friends that we had in high school. They married other people from the youth group. You know, we were all in church together. We were all Christians. They got married. They got divorced. They got remarried. They got re-divorced. Uh, just messes of their lives because they didn't marry somebody who was committed to growing in the Lord. Sometimes people marry somebody who's committed to growing in the Lord and that person stops growing and stops following through. I understand that. But you give it your best shot when you marry somebody who's committed to grow and learn in the Lord. You say, well, how can you know that? Listen to the conversation. 
Are they talking about what they learned in the Lord? Does it ever enter the conversation? I had been dating a really nice girl in the youth group. Uh, I was friends with her parents. In fact, I stayed friends with her parents for years. In fact, her mom, we still correspond with. But I was dating her, and our conversation wasn't at all spiritual. And I was having this desire to really try and do something with God. And, and I dedicated my life to serve the Lord. And we stopped dating. And, and when, when she broke up with me, that was like tragedy because, you know, that had never happened to me, man. Uh, but, but it was really hard because she seemed really nice, girl from the youth group, really fun, you know. And, and then I got thinking about, I really need to be connected with somebody who really has a heart for the Lord. And then I started dating this beautiful lady who really has a heart for the Lord. And she's helped me walk with the Lord. You're, you need to learn and grow with other people. I was vi- visiting, a, we had a lady and the kids would come to our church. And so I went and I was talking with the mom and I asked her if she had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And she said, yes, I do. And it's personal and I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) That's not the relationship Jesus wants you to have. He wants you to have one like Peter and like these other people in Acts that you just want to talk about. You go out to dinner and you talk to your waitress or waiter or food server or whatever they call them these days. I don't eat out very much, can you tell? And and so you just talk to the people around. You're, you're pumping gas and somebody else is pumping gas and you get a connection with each other. You say, isn't this a beautiful day the Lord has made? You, you, you just overflow your conversation with the goodness and grace of God. And you may have an opportunity to influence people. We need to be learning and growing together. There's always more to learn, but they were continuing steadfastly in it. The next thing, they were fellowshipping together. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Church, family, life. Now, years ago, we tried to do something different with our Wednesday. And so one of the Wednesdays, we called it hospitality. And one Wednesday was outreach. And so on hospitality night, you're supposed to invite somebody in the church over and get to know them a little better. And then on outreach night, try and reach out to somebody in the community and and try and work with them. And uh, it was working really well for a while. And then we realized the only people doing it were the people on the leadership team of the church who were already involved in a lot of outreach and ministry and hospitality. And so we changed that and kind of dropped that out of our Wednesday night. Now, on Wednesdays, we meet the first Wednesday of every month, and we have a time of prayer and Bible study. In fact, last Wednesday, Aidan Altamirano gave us a challenge from Psalm 73, and it was really good. If you weren't here, you missed out because it wasn't recorded, but... I'm sure for a small fee, he'd come over and share it with you at your house. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't do that. But, 
but you know, it was a really good challenge. And so we try and encourage ourselves in the Lord, and then we spend time praying together. Um, and they were fellowshipping together, and they were connecting together, and they were involved together, and, and that's fun. That's, that's good stuff. We do that a little bit before church. We do that a little bit after church. Uh, but we can do it more and in other places and connect with one another and fellowship with one another because this is a family. And so we, I prefer to get to know people. Oh, and maybe you want to bolt to your car as soon as the service is over. Um, I understand that. I appreciate that. But if I get a chance, I want to be able to talk with people. Then they were also observing the ordinances together, baptism and the Lord's Supper. They were breaking the bread together. They were uh, enjoying the baptism together. And, you know, I, I remember we were in a church where baptism had like this somber organ music played. And then somebody went down in the water and they came up out of the water and there was this hush over the congregation because it was this serious thing. And baptism is a serious thing. But I think it should also be a celebration. And when we do it here and somebody comes up out of the water, everybody says, Amen! Sometimes people clap. And then we pray for the person. There's a celebration because they're doing what the Lord wanted. And observing the ordinances together is a special thing that we do as a church. Good Friday, we had the Lord's Supper together. We shared it. I think Tim Martinez and Tim Pennick and Ben Qualls distributed it, and then we all participated in it together. And, and, and that's a special moment to do that with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And watching somebody get baptized is special. And so they were doing this. And then I already mentioned it earlier, but they were praying together. See, that's the end of verse 42. Uh, they were uh, continuing in the apostles' doctrine. They were breaking of bread and in prayers. And uh, so they were following this. They were praying together and doing this. Um, sometimes it's awkward praying with some people. You know, I remember once in Texas, uh, our pastor just paired us up. All the men were gathered for prayer meeting. The pastor would say, you two guys and you two guys and you two guys, whatever. And so I was with this guy, and we had 20 minutes of prayer time scheduled before we had to get ready for the evening service. That's how we did it there. So I said to him, you go ahead and go first. Well, he was still praying when I got up and left for church because... I had to do the announcements and welcome people and all that. So I looked at my watch and said, I got to go. So I just slipped out quietly. And I don't know how long he stayed in there praying. Eventually, he joined the service, but not till after I'd gone and sat down and he sat behind me. It's awkward sometimes praying with other people, but it can be really special too. You just share your heart to God and then they share their heart to God and and sometimes praying with other people is how you really get to know their heart for God. And so they're praying together. And they're sharing prayer requests together. And they're serious concerns. Uh, they're bringing it up. And 
There's something special about that. And then there's something here that's a little awkward for us to understand. So bear with me, okay? Number eight, they were loving and generous together. Look in verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. So there are cult-like Christian activities that say we all come together, we sell all our stuff, we live in this little commune area, and we share everything. See, we need to understand something about the Bible. There are times when something is prescriptive and times when it's descriptive. Now, when I use the word prescriptive, does it make you think of prescription? When a doctor gives you a prescription, what are you supposed to do? Get what it says and do what it says. That's the prescription. The doctor is saying, this is what you need. And then there's descriptive. That's describing something. And so right here, this is describing what they did. This is not saying... This is the pattern for all time. In fact, later in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira sell a piece of land, Peter says this, while you owned it, it was yours, and you could do with it what you wanted. He didn't say, you were supposed to give it to us so we could give it to whoever we wanted to give it to. That's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is you be generous. You give. Give at least a tithe. Give abundantly to the work of the Lord. Give generously. But he doesn't say you have to sell everything you've got and then give it away to other people. In fact, one writer said that later on there was a famine and in, in, in uh, other places, they were taking a special offering and sending it to the believers in Jerusalem because the believers were really struggling. And somebody said it's because they sold all their assets and then used it for daily needs. So I don't think you have to sell 100%. In fact, only one time in the Bible did Jesus say to one person, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. That was never the pattern that Jesus taught. That was that guy's heart that was not right. Now, let me say something else. If God has blessed you financially, and you are seeing people hurting, and you don't feel a need to share some and help some, there's probably something wrong with you. Because when John was writing, he said, how do you see your brother have need and not have a heart of compassion on him? So we need to give to help people. And they were doing that. They were generous, and it was fun. Peter wasn't up there saying, all right, you're a believer, John. I'm glad you came to Christ. Now sell everything you've got and give it all to this person, that person, and this person. That's not what they were. The church wasn't coordinating this. The church wasn't demanding this. And by the way, if somebody demands you to give a certain amount of money, 
That's not biblical. My brother was at a church, and the pastor asked him to see his W-2 so he could know how much money my brother should give to the church the next year. My brother said no, and the church persisted, and in their Sunday school class, their kids were harassed because their dad was the only one who hadn't complied with what church leadership said. And my brother called me on the phone. He said, what should I do? And I said, run. Run away. He said, really? You think I should leave the church? I said, yes. He said, oh, good. I did, but I thought you'd be mad at me. <laughs> no, no, you run. God's the one who tells you what to give. No, I can tell you, you need to tithe. That's biblical. I can tell you, you need to be generous toward God. I can't tell you a dollar amount. The Lord does that. That's the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. In fact, we talk about it, what we're going to give. She doesn't do her own thing, and I don't do my own thing. We talk to each other about it, but we don't talk to anybody else. I don't sit down with the deacons and say, all right, my salary is going to be this much. How much do you think I need to give? We give generously to the work of the Lord. So they were loving and generous together. And by the way, no child is being tortured. <laughs> kids are a blast. Kids are fun. But they're also kids, right? Uh, right and, and she is Aaron's kid. So you, you expect a little bit of that, right? All right. I want you to, well, yeah, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians. I want to share one last thing that's not here in the book of Acts, that's, I think, also important. And we're going to look in Colossians chapter 3. In, in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 47 that they were praising God. And so in Colossians, we're going to look at the, that too, uh, praising God and um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Kathy said once, that's go everywhere preaching Christ. And Jim Reeves said, oh, I thought that was goat popcorn. So he remembered it. All right, Galatians chapter 3, and this is number 9. They were worshiping together. They were worshiping together. Uh, Galatians, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection or maturity, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which... Also, you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So worshiping together and singing together. I think it's important to sing to the Lord, to join in in singing. And if you're not, then you're not following the instruction in Scripture. They were worshiping together. They were singing together. And in the church, your music needs to be particularly God-focused and also geared to encourage you in the Lord and teach you in the Lord. So the music that we have in here is different than maybe the music you would listen to at home. Like if, if Jim and... Ben decided, hey, let's have a, uh, what is it, Larry, Larry boy, 
sing-along night. What is, what is that? Silly songs with Larry Boy. So Jim and Ben get up here. We're going to do silly songs with Larry Boy. Okay, that might be something funny for a talent night. That wouldn't be good for church night. Because the songs we sing in the church are supposed to be songs that exalt the Lord and cause us to be humble before the Lord. One of the Trek girls, the middle school girl in, uh, in our Trek club uh, a couple years ago, she was telling me about how fun her church worship was because they'd all jump together, they'd, they'd get down and they have like a Christian mosh pit in that church. If you don't know what a mosh pit is, good. Um, no, a mosh pit is everybody's just kind of jumping together to the music. And so they'd all get together, they'd all bump into each other, and they'd all jump into each other. And in one church that did that, COVID spread rapidly. Uh, but but they, that's what they do. They jump up and down, and they sing, and they shout, and they bang into each other. And Okay, when you're worshiping God, when you're worshiping God, you are humble before Him. And... And we need to exalt Him. And the music that we have in church needs to point people to Him, His message and His heart. And, and you know, you could have it be a little peppier than we do maybe sometimes, but uh, you can have it a whole lot slower than we do sometimes. We've been in a church like that before. But, but listen, our goal as a church when we get together and worship Him is to humble ourselves before Him and exalt Him and worship Him together because there's a joy when we serve Christ together. So we are the church. And we have a commission by Christ and an example in Scripture to show us, all right, this is what He wants done, and this is how they were doing it. We got this. We can do this together. Our purpose is to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And together we can make it happen. Father, we thank You for the church. We thank You that Jesus Christ established it. We thank You that we get to be a part in the church, but we also thank You for this church. Thank you for the love that we experience, for the teaching that we have benefited from, for the sharing our hearts, and, and Lord, we thank you that someday in heaven we'll be gathered around the throne with perhaps billions of other believers singing praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.